Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. We are continuing with our series, The God Who Calls, and today we're talking about Jeremiah. That is, Jeremiah the prophet, not the bullfrog, right? Um, But when we think about Jeremiah, we tend to think, well, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, right? It was kind of, he was kind of chill, right? But Jeremiah did not minister in an easy time. He ministered, as a matter of fact, in a very turbulent and difficult time. And if you're going to understand the calling and the ministry of Jeremiah, you have to understand a little bit about the background of what was going on in the world at his time. And so let's talk a little bit about what was going on and the pressures that existed in the out, from the outside of Judah. If we look at uh, this little map, there are major players in the world. Always the Egyptians are there meddling in the affairs of little Judah on their border. The Assyrians have been the world empire and they're now on the decline. And there's a new world power that is arising. It is Babylon. We call him the Neo-Babylonian Empire under a leader by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And he's rising from southern Mesopotamia and he's battling across the Fertile Crescent. He will conquer the Assyrians and the Egyptians at the famous Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC. And all of this is happening around Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, like the wimpy little kid, is stuck in the middle of all this, powerless to defend themselves against these world powers around them. That's what's going on on the outside. On the inside, we have incredible weakness. So I've showed this, I've shown this picture before a couple of years ago, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, these are the kings of Judah over the last few years. Manasseh is the evil king. He was in power for about 40 years and he led the people completely away from God. I don't know that he breathed like that, but he was certainly an evil king and he led the people into idolatry. His son Ammon followed him in the same way, ruled for a short period of time. And then his grandson came on the, on the throne, a young boy at eight years old by the name of Josiah. He's kind of the Luke Skywalker of this story. A good king, but kind of weak as well and insecure. He's the last real independent king of Israel. Following him, Come a series of his sons, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and Jehoiachin. These guys are like the stooges because they're controlled by outside powers. Jehoahaz, who's put on the throne by the Egyptians, only lasts three months. Jehoiakim replaces him, rules for a little over a decade, and then he's followed by Jehoiachin who lasts, again, only three months before Nebuchadnezzar carries him off into captivity and replaces him with Uncle Zedekiah, who was a complete and total stooge. 
He rules for about nine years and then he is taken off the throne and Israel is carried off into captivity. Jeremiah is the prophet from Josiah to Zedekiah. A little guy, but powerful in the Lord. All right, so let's get into it. In the midst of all of this, we see God call Jeremiah. And we see God moving sovereignly in the life of Jeremiah and in the life of his people. Today, we're going to focus on three sovereign actions by God toward those that he calls. So let's begin with the first. The first is to be foreknown. You see, Jeremiah was foreknown by God. Let's look at what it says here in verse four. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. Isn't that an awesome thought? God knew you before you were even formed in the womb of your mother. I think that it's easy for us to feel isolated and lost in our world today. I think evidence of that is social media, right? Social media is really just a cry, one selfie after another. To be known, to be significant in the world. And so we see people trying so hard for someone to give them a like. You're good. You're okay. I know you. I know who you are. I know what you're about. It's this thirst in our world to be known. But let me tell you today, God knows you. God knows you. He knew you just like he knew Jeremiah before he formed him in the womb. And not only that, before he was born, Jeremiah was set apart for the purposes of God. And so too, you have been set apart by God for his purposes. He has a plan for your life and he wants to use you. Jeremiah's calling was to be the voice of God to the nations. Maybe you don't know what your calling is yet. But God has called each one of us. First of all, he's called us to be his children. Amen? He's called you to be his son or his daughter. But it goes beyond that because God has a plan and a purpose for your life and a calling that he's placed on you. I look across this room and I think about all of the people in this room that have invested in the ministry and the work of this church and you have built into the lives of people. I think about Jana Love who has invested in the lives of young girls by being a small group leader in, in, in our youth ministry. Life after life after life have been affected by her ministry, by the calling that God has on her life. I think of Gordon Polly and his heart for men in our community and the way that he reaches out to minister to men. I think about my mom. My mom never held a position in church. She was never an elder or a deacon or anything like that. But my mom had a heart for women. And I tell you what, she could spot a hurting woman a mile away and she would hone in on them like a 
missile. And she'd go after them and encourage them and build them up in incredible ways. It was her calling. What is God calling you to do? What does he want you to do? This is something we have to find. Something we have to figure out as we draw close to God. Romans chapter 8 verses 29 through 30 says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestinated. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. There's our word calling right there. We have been called by God. Amen? And there's that word foreknow. God foreknew us. He knew us before we were formed. And right in the middle is that word predestination. He predestined us. And a lot of us kind of get uncomfortable with this word. What do we do? What does it mean to be predestined by God? I remember when I was young, struggling with this concept. What does it mean, God, that you have predestined me? I get, I got caught up in the logical arguments. How can a God choose that person to be saved and that person not to be saved? How does that happen? How can God be loving and just and do that? How does it fit together with our free will if God has predestined us? These are good questions. But ultimately, they're unanswerable questions. We can't answer them because we can only see reality through the lens of time. You see, because we can only see things that happen in sequence of time. But God is not bound by time. Time is completely a human. It's a physical reality. It's based on the movement of the sun. Well, God made the sun. He put it in its place. He took the earth and started spinning it on his finger. God is the one who created time. And so he lives outside of time. And so for God, predestination makes all kinds of sense. Because he sees our world from a totally different perspective. He's not limited by our perspective, which is bound by the physical reality of time. That's why Isaiah would say, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are so much higher than our ways. We can't completely understand it. So relax. Relax in it. What does God want us to know? Why does he even mention this idea of predestination? Well, he brings it up to us because he wants to encourage us. He wants to tell us how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he picked you out, that he chose you. Rejoice. You are chosen. You have been selected by God. He has a plan for you and he has chosen you. So if God has chosen us, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that God knows your potential. He knew this young man, Jeremiah, this kid from a priestly family in the city of 
Anathoth in Benjamin. He knew him from the time he was born, from before he was born. And he called him to do a job. He knew that this young man had great potential. He knew what he could do. He knew what he could take. He knew that this would be a difficult calling in a very turbulent and difficult time. But he knew that Jeremiah could do it. Do you know why he knew that Jeremiah could do it? Because he designed Jeremiah to make it. And God knows you. He knows your potential. He knows what you can do. He knows what you are capable of. That you can do great things. Things that you have not even imagined yet. He knows that you can do them. Not only that. He knows that what you can take. He knows what kind of pressure you can handle. I think so many times we turn to God and we go, God, I can't take it anymore. And God says, oh, yes, you can. I made you. I know what you can take. I know the kind of pressure that you can endure. And so we can rest in that truth that God has made us and he sees our potential. Not only that, he knows our weaknesses and he knows our failures before they even happen. This is probably one of the greatest things to ponder. Jeremiah says, God, I, I can't speak. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You see, Jeremiah was focused on his weakness, his lack of experience, his inability to stand before kings and nations and speak an intelligible word. He says, I'm too nervous. I haven't been prepared for this. I don't know. I can't do this. Most of the time, all we see in ourselves is our own weaknesses and our own inabilities and our own failures. But you know what? God still chose you. In spite of all your failures, he knew that those failures would happen. You know, God never says, I'm sorry I picked that guy. He's such a loser. Why did I pick him? He's so, he's like a hundred pound weakling every time he falls. I can't believe I, I should have picked somebody else. God never says that. He never says that. Because he knew you and he chose you before you ever failed. And he knew what failures you would have and what mistakes that you would make. Proof in point. Think of the Apostle Peter. God chose Peter to be his number one lead apostle. To plant the church under the leadership of the Apostle Peter. And he knew that in the most critical moment of Jesus' ministry, that Peter would fail miserably. That he would deny Jesus three times publicly. It was messy. It was a disaster. God knew it. And he still picked him. And God knows your failures even before they happen. If this is true, and of course it is true, then don't let your guilt stop you from following Jesus and realizing the call that he has on your life. Don't let your feelings of unworthiness stop you. I think so many times we fall and we fail and we say, God, 
I just can't do this. I can't in good faith follow you and do what you've called me to do when I know the sin in my own life and I keep failing you time and time again. And God says, just get up and get on with it. Because I already knew that you would fail and I still called you. God says, keep walking toward holiness and doing what I called you to do. Step by step, keep going. And when you fall down, get up. I knew you would fall. It's okay. Many times, all the time, even our failures are woven into the plan of God and God turns them to good through his sovereign purposes. We have been foreknown by God. But we've also been filled by God. Jeremiah was filled by God. Take a look at verse 9. It says, Then the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched my mouth. And he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This was quite a calling, wasn't it? God filled Jeremiah's mouth with his message. And that message was not an easy one, was it? It was like... Almost all judgment and difficulty, uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, and then at the end, some hope, build and replant. That's not what the people wanted to hear. This wasn't going to be a popular message. No. Imagine having to preach this kind of message. It would have been difficult. Increasingly, the gospel has become a message that is rejected by our society. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of the message that God has put in our mouth. Our culture says, you should be ashamed of yourselves. How dare you say that you have the only way to heaven? How dare you think that your religion is the only religion that will get you to God? You should be ashamed of yourselves. Increasingly, the moral standard that that the gospel gives us is out of sync with what's going on in our world today. Think about the major issues. Abortion, same-sex marriage, gender identity, Increasingly, we find ourselves on the opposite side of those issues than the rest of our society. Before, we were part of the majority, but increasingly, we're becoming the voice of the minority in our culture. And the world is offended by the gospel. The good news is no longer good news to so many people in our culture. It's now an offense to them. It's difficult because we're not inclusive. But just like Jeremiah, God said, you must go to everyone I send you and you must say whatever I command you to say. God still commands us to take his message 
wherever it is that he calls us and to speak it to whomever he tells us to speak it to. That's not an easy thing to do. The people of Jerusalem wanted to hear a different message from Jeremiah. They wanted to hear that it was going to be all right. They wanted to hear that in spite of their sin, in spite of the fact that they had completely rejected the God of their forefathers, in spite of the fact that they were sacrificing their children in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to the south of Jerusalem, they wanted to hear that everything was going to be all right, that God was going to protect their city and defend them from their enemies. That wasn't the message that was given to Jeremiah. Don't get me wrong. It's not our job to stand in the streets like a prophet and proclaim the destruction of our culture. It's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to live out the life of Jesus Christ before people. You see, our world is not like Israel. Israel was the nation of God and they were supposed to follow God. Our world is lost and it's blind. How can you expect lost people to know the way? That's the very definition of being lost. You don't know the way, right? How can you expect blind people to see the light? They're blind. They can't see anything. They're living in darkness. And so the only way that we can, re- we can, we can reach blind and lost people is by loving them like Jesus loved them. We need to love the lost. We need to reach out to them and care and love. We need to sacrifice our rights and ourselves so that they can experience the love of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for those who persecute you, Jesus said. This is the way we demonstrate the message of the gospel to people in our society. But ultimately, we are to never be ashamed of the message that God has placed in our mouth. We are to proclaim it, the truth. We can't walk away from the truth that God has given us. Amen? Amen. So we have been foreknown by God. We have been filled by God. And finally, we have been fortified by God. Jeremiah was fortified by God. Look at what it says in verse 17. It says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. Wow. First of all, it says, get yourself ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is why we've been going through every week and talking about Isaiah and his response to God's call. When God said, whom shall we send and who will go for us? Isaiah said, oh, send me. I'm here. I'll do it. He was ready. Are we ready? I think of a bull, bull rider who's sitting in the pen or just waiting for the gate to open. He's ready to go. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to ride for the Lord? Are you ready to bring that message that he has placed in your mouth to a nation, to a, to a world that is blind and in need? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified by them. 
Don't be afraid. That's easy for God to say, right? Because God's like all powerful. And so it's easy for God to not be afraid. It's harder for us down here in the middle of the mess that is our world. But yet the point is, we can be afraid. It's natural. It's human to be afraid. Just don't be paralyzed by your fear. Get over it. Trust in the Lord. Move forward as he has called you. Look at what he says. He says, today I've made you a fortified city and an iron pillar and a bronze wall. These, this image that the Lord gives to Jeremiah is exactly the prayer of the people. This is what the people wanted. Lord, make us a fortified city. Defend us from our enemies. Make our walls like walls of bronze so that they won't be broken down when the enemy comes. That's not what the Lord did for the people of Israel. They needed to be woken up. They need to be corrected for their sin. But God did make Jeremiah a fortified city. He made Jeremiah a bronze wall and an iron pillar. And the Lord will protect you as well. God is our protection as we do what he's called us to do. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It's never easy to do what God calls us to do. It won't be easy. God says to Jeremiah, They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and I will rescue rescue you. You will have resistance to the gospel. Increasingly, it's becoming truer and truer in our society. We will be resisted for the message and the beliefs that we have. But don't be afraid because we will not be overcome because God is with us. And he is our rescuer. Amen? That is the truth. And so we are to be bold in our proclamation of the truth. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 8. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there is nothing on this earth that can thwart and stop the plan and purposes of our sovereign God. Amen? Nothing in this physical world can stop, or even in the spiritual world, including angels and demons, that can stop what God is doing. And so we can rest in him. There is a rest in the sovereignty of God, in God's plan, because it guarantees our protection until God has done what God's going to do. So as long as God has a purpose for you, you're safe. You don't have to be afraid. You can rest in God's sovereignty. Nothing will catch him by surprise. And he has made you a fortified city. Some of you, you don't, may not know it yet, but some of you are being called to go on a mission trip next year. Maybe to Macedonia, maybe to Mongolia, maybe to Meru, Kenya. Any one of those M's would be acceptable. Maybe God is calling you to go there and you might say, but I'm afraid. 
don't be afraid because God has made you a bronze wall. He will defend you and protect you as you go and do what he's called you to do. So are you afraid of COVID-19 or COVID-22 or whatever COVID we're up to these days? Maybe you're afraid of monkeypox, right? Don't be afraid. Take precautions, but don't be afraid. We cannot live in fear any longer because our sovereign God has made us an iron pillar to stand against the plagues of this world. And God will, he will protect you as long as he has a purpose for you. And I tell you what, when his purpose is done and he calls you home, even better. It's even better. Then we trust in him in the midst of that as well. Some of you may be afraid to speak out about your faith, where you work, where you go to school, with your friends. Don't be afraid. Because God has made you a bronze wall. He will defend you. He will protect you. And he will glorify himself in what you say. You see, we serve a sovereign God. That's not to confuse us and to scare us. That's to encourage us to give us faith and strength. And we can rest in the truth of that because we are foreknown. We are filled with his word and we are fortified by his power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it speaks to our lives. We pray, Lord God, that you would use us as you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.